the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 55 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way, let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Hey yo, what's up? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is work you can find over at MMA Junkies as well as OutstreckedUS.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Recording this Thursday night before the weigh-ins for UFC Vegas 55, UFC Fight Night 206, UFC Fight Night Home vs. Vieta. Check the timestamps for when that starts from top to bottom, because that's the order I will break it in uh, down into. And then, of course, as per usual in these breakdown shows, I recap all my picks and plays from top to bottom again at the very end of the episode. Um, I'm going to start off with just a couple quick thank yous, uh, quick recaps, because I didn't watch Bellator 281, quick recap of UFC on ESPN 36, and then we'll be on to it, because i got to knock out um, my last two articles tonight, and because uh, uh, ya boy here, uh, not not Eric Anders, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Mr. Mr. Anders, um, your boy here actually won't be watching your boy, or any of the other boys or girls fight uh, live, at least this weekend. I'm going to be going to something that I've long made fun of, but you know what? I've, I've been turned to the ways. Uh, not really. I'm always down with uh, all types of music and vibes and this and that. I'm just a curmudgeon. And, uh, you know, uh, never had, like, cool enough friend circles to invite me, like, to music festivals and stuff for the most part uh, for a while now. And my band days and my younger days were a bit of a different story, but it's been it's been a long time since I've done that, and it's fun. So I'm actually going to go to EDC with my girlfriend, uh, this weekend here in Vegas, um, gonna do some staycation. Probably be down downtown Las Vegas and shuttle down there. Hopefully, make it down safely because I'm gonna be seven shades of fucking inebriated in, in multitude of different ways, uh, and it's gonna be a good time. So, uh, yeah, I will I will not be watching the fights, and I will, you know, partially be on Earth <laughs> probably while they're going down. So, um, enjoy, and, uh, you know, maybe that'll be good. I, I won't get the enjoyment of any of these ca- potential caches, but I won't have to sweat um, potential wins or losses or, uh, you know, um, have to deal with any of that because it's, you know, it's fun and it's a thing, and I'm, you know, a presence, and I'm grateful to be a presence, and I'm grateful you guys even consider me a presence or whatever the fuck that even means on a fight night. But, you know, god damn, it's like every fucking Saturday. Um, you gotta have a life sometime as, uh, you know, not that I need the reminders I've been trying to do, but boy, life's been sending some of those reminders, um, my, my way and, and other, many other people's way, by the way. Um, I feel like it's just like, I've been extra paranoid cause like, you know, uh, to my worst fears, like I've, I've happened in the last couple of years or near close calls. And, uh, you know, uh, me madre and, and now me, me, me best friend, because that's how me, my life is structured there. <laughs> it's like, the, you know, one, one, two most important people, one's not even a person. 
Um, but yeah, my, my dog Ben. So thank you guys for the well wishes. But like, yeah, it's it's it, it was you know it's inevitable. But uh, I, you know, I feel like you know a bunch of a bunch of you know friends uh, friends of this podcast even. Um, I feel like I've been seeing you know a lot of uh, dog posts of the sad kind lately. So I did not want to add to that. And despite all the sad posts of all different kinds, you know, um, hearts out to the people that were fucking victimized senselessly in Buffalo, that racist bullshit, to, you know, the um, Asian on Asian shooting in California and all the other crap. It's like, there's a lot of depressing shit out there, you know? And I'm like, I really want, like, I'm already depressed. Like, do I really want to add, you know, add to that by posting about my dog and stuff? But, you know, you people seem to care and everybody seemed to give Ben love and, um, you know, I don't know how much time this bought us, but, you know, he came out of surgery okay, two passes. Um, hoping we got the cancer, so, you know, all, all the vibes, prayers, and all that stuff, well wishes are appreciated. And uh, rather than sit around and find out, um, you know, we're going to get on with some bucket list shit, which includes uh, going to San Diego, fellow San Diegans. Um, if you're around and know any dog-friendly places, uh, holler at your boy. I'm definitely going to be looking to do that this summer now. Um, probably uh, July or August. Um, you got to have Ben Heal, of course. Shout out to the Sound of Violence guys. I miss those dudes. I'm going to probably go try to bother them if they're, if they're hanging around. Hanging around. Um, SD. But, uh, yeah, that, that's about it for the personal stuff, man. I just wanted to say, you know, these reminders just make, make remind you to be grateful. Um, don't think for a second that I'm not. I am absolutely grateful. Uh, you go back to my, my birthday post for Ben back at 420 early this year. Um, just talking about how grateful I am for every year with him, you know. Um, there's more important things in these fights and these week-to-week BSs, uh, you know, and whatnot. So, you know, it's uh, it's good to remember that. So thank you. Much love and, and, and much love to you and yours as well out there, especially if you got some furry ones, um, you know, whether you have or had. Uh, I've been both and, and, and will be in the future, but um, I just want to send my love to you all and, and, and my appreciation to you all. Um, Bellator 281 I didn't watch. There's the recap there. I know the story page had a lot of uh, uh, everyone up in a kerfluffle on, on every side. Um, I don't know. I, I can't weigh in, folks, so I don't want to say anything uh, at the risk of it being shady or sound like I'm throwing shade or some shit over some shit I didn't even watch. So, yeah. Uh, UFC on ESPN 36 recap. We went five and six overall, one and one in parlays, two and three straight. These are including the ads, by the way, folks, which I'll get to. So, um, one and four in props and zero and one in round flyers. Um, yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, it was a. Uh, Again, on ads, that's why I say watch my man Aaron Brownstetter's pre-show that I do with him. Um, sometimes I'll add things there, thoughts that I forgot, I can double back on, new thoughts, things that I decided to not, you know, pardon my French puss out on and actually pull the trigger on, so on and so forth. And, of course, I've been much better, um, even though I have articles, that's the design of the articles, I want to take away value of those, uh, which is why I, I wait till just a little before the fight starts to post. But yes, I have been posting on my Twitter at Dan Tom MMA. 
where I'm most active, although at the PYM Podcast, to follow, like, subscribe on all social platforms. Won't pollute your feed. It really does help. Five-star ratings and reviews. Thanks for the likes and subscriptions and all that stuff. Daniel Tom MMA on YouTube. But, um, but yeah, add Dan Tom MMA where I post. So I'll always be sure to catch those. And I I apologize if I sounded rude. I just, I was missing action to the, uh, 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 which is fine. I don't watch, I, you know, I'm so busy doing one thing or the other. I don't even get to watch all the fights live, which is fine. Um, but this this time I was like, I had no excuse. I was in front of the TV, but I just found myself in front of the phone. And like, I was like replying to people. And I love y'all. I, I really do. And a lot of y'all, uh, you know, uh, know this and came clean. We're like, I need to get better with this Twitter thing. But there, there, there was, I, I say it because there's there, there multiple people. So I just want to repeat it. Not to make anybody feel bad, but I, I was getting a lot of questions that could have been answered by a simple going to my timeline and scrolling. You know, I, I, I got shorthand bets. I got multiple phase analysis on my in-depths. I got the main card for the quick picks and prognostications. I got an in-depth podcast. Um, and then where I recap picks and plays at the end, I got a shortened video preview show. Uh, I mean, all these multiple audio, video, written uh, methods, as well as the tweets, just to kind of group that up even further, if you want an even quicker at a glance. Uh, granted, I might have still had my Dubronx Gaethje thing pinned up, as you know, plenty of people have older stuff. To, you know, I know I'm usually better about having more recent stuff, granted, pinned to the top of my profile, but... It, you know, aside from fight day, I really don't don't tweet a lot. And again, I I offer all these mediums. So please, folks, before you ask, before you tweet, before you reply, before you DM, is it something that you can be answered by by scrolling down the old timeline? I love y'all, but uh, you'd really be helping me out by by, by asking yourself that first. Other other than that, you know me. I'm down to talk. I'm down to chat. I'll give you my time if I got it. I'll give you my advice. Um, if I got it, you know, and gave some gave someone some useful advice. I, I I don't like to tell people to put where their money is, but they said I want to play these three, and I said, you know what, two of those three aren't going to hit, but I'll tell you the one that's not going to hit, and I'll save you the trouble of guessing, and that's going to be um, Maximov, which we'll get to in a second. I bet you I don't know, I'm a little in my head. I don't, I don't know if Nate's going to make an appearance. I got I got too much. Uh, and it's it's friendly. I'm just being sensitive because I hate being the fucking guy that has bad impressions, and you know. Um, I'm all trying to stumble and off sleepless nights and, 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 you know, even with the notes that I do have, I don't even go off all of them and I'm like rain manning all these breakdowns and doing a one man hosting show, which one of those alone is tough, much less two. And then I do, you know, try to do these impressions and I actually am proud of my Nate Diaz. That's another thing is I'm very proud of my Nate Diaz and, uh, it's been veering into a, a, a South Park character, uh, as of late, as many people have been pointing out. And, uh, if I say that too much, uh, It'll get in your head because it's already gotten in mine to the point where uh, I got I got I got to work it out and um, and yeah and it sucks I'm on audio too so not that I want you to see my ugly face but like you know I uh, you know, old Dan Tom here used to do some theater and some acting you might even find a couple credits uh, on IMDb if you type my name in uh, I take this stuff very seriously and uh, you know I'm, I'm pretty proud and 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 you know, I'm not. I don't mean to be a hater or anything. A lot of impressionists, but like uh, when other people do certain impressions, um, they're not doing a podcast and breaking things down when they do it. And even if they're doing it and doing it in like some type of comedic set, like seldom do you hear them improv. You know, they're lucky if they can get like a co-host um, that they can bounce off of and whatnot. Um, I think sometimes I would even do it with uh, 
Gorgeous George on MMA Junkie Radio just because he's... He, I mean, George and Go is just so damn seasoned. They've been doing it so long that, that you know, even though he... George, not the acting type, he, like not a theater type, I should say, like he, but he, he knows entertainment. He knows how to host and keep a ball in the air. So like we would go back and forth, but it's really hard by yourself to, you know, play the straight man in a comedy sketch. So it's like I'm, I don't write any of this stuff either, folks. Like, like I said, the few things I write down before this show, it's, it has to do with fight notes. It's not like a stand-up act, and I don't even get to the fight notes. So all, all the all the shits unscripted. So uh, you know, I. I, uh, I'll shit on myself, but I will also say that, uh, you know, hey, man, uh, pretty difficult. Uh, there's a reason why, like, paid professional, air quotes, uh, comedians and impressionists don't even go to that level, much less um, do it whilst offering a technical breakdown and swimming in the direction of an overall podcast, much less an improv conversation between one person uh, that's having to be between two. So, just saying, just saying, it's, it's harder than it sounds. Um... You know, listen to, l- tell me how many uh, one, one one single host podcasts there are out there, and tell me how many of those sound sound uh, fluid, not good, not bad, just fluid. All right, there we go. It's crazy, but there's at least a method to my madness. I'm not everybody's flavor. It's all good, but I'm crazy. Yes, yes, but but uh, you know, it's fucking hard what I do. I'll say I'll just leave it at that. Alrighty, um, but yeah, I, I gotta get those. I gotta get those better. But thank you for those of you who who enjoy the stupid little comedy and stuff. I, I get mad like last week that I didn't do enough of it. Um, and then when I do do it, it's like a shitty impression. I'm like, Ugh. um, so yeah. All right, uh, what were we doing? Oh yeah, Jan Blakowicz defeated Alexander Rakic. Um, I'm glad I stayed away from that one. Although I had a lot of friends on Rakic, so I don't mean to. Rub that, and also had friends on Blakovich too. So you know, props to you guys, man. Um, in my defense, I did say is Dogger pass, even though my official pick was Rakich by decision. Um, I'm not even gonna play the game and see how it was playing out. Um, because I did think that even though I put, picked Rakich, that Blakovich would have early success. Um, shouts to the Fight Site podcast guys. I'm not familiar with these two gentlemen, but one of them said something like, uh, "Jan Blakovich by." Leg check, and I know that wasn't exactly what happened per se. It was like Carlos Condit and Ty- Tyron Woodley, Tyron Woodley, uh, where he kicks one leg and the other knee blows out, kind of a deal. Um, but I thought that was kind of a neat, and uh, those guys do a really good job with that uh, fight site MMA podcast. Um, boy, I should have their name, shouldn't I? But shout out to them, shout out to that podcast feed. Um, Ryan Span defeated Ewan Cute Lava. Wow, this is a stupid bet. Uh, this was, uh, I, I found a great, um, another great strong bad gif. They're all for, like, g- you know, gifts when I, like, I fuck up, of course. Um, and this one's another one like that where it's, like, one of the characters, like, is stuck in a, is stuck in, like, a, uh, one of those office, like, water, um, dispensers with, a, you know, you put, like, the, the sparklets, um, five-gallon jug upside down in the office dispenser. And, like, one of the characters was stuck in the water bottle all, all contorted. And strong bad walks up and goes, how'd you get... How'd you end up there? And um, like, yeah, that, that that's uh, I was gonna tweet that out. I was like, this is, this is me uh, me betting buys and like this is me me betting Qtalaba. How'd you end up there? In my defense, a lot of people did end up there. He seemed to be a popular parlay piece. Perhaps we all fell victim. Not all, obviously. There were some 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 smart people on Span. Congrats to you. Um. Uh, but uh, perhaps we were victim. I guess I should just say of you know the classic uh, you know. In a room full of fours, 
uh, in a room full of threes, I should say, a five starts to look like an eight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> and uh, Cute Lava went out and did Cute Lava things. Um, you know, I, I, I still have some suspicions on Span as far as, you, you know, I want to see him hold it, hold it together under pressure for duration. Winning or losing, it just because that was something that he, he showed trouble before. But uh, despite losing the bet, man, happy for him. Uh, you guys know I'm a big Safe Sayud fan, so uh, legit. So uh, always happy when you know we can see his fighters turn their corner and stuff. And uh, I don't want to say they've been doing bad per se. I don't want to throw that bad juju out there. But I just want to say like, I don't feel like they've been doing great. So to see them get a get a quality win like that in a big spot is uh, you know. You know, it's happy for them, man. It's because I lose a bet doesn't mean I can't be happy for the other side. Davy, Davy Grante. Hello, Davy. I was like Rigetti from fucking Pirates of the Caribbean. Hello, Puppet. Um, Davy Grant. He actually might turn into that version of Davy Grant, folks, when he drinks. You see Davy after this win? He's uh, fucking getting naked, apparently, and just jumping, uh, jumping, <laughs> jumping off a fucking piano onto a crowd stage diving. That can backfire, Davey. He's lucky he had friends to catch him. I, I remember um, one of many stage dives. Um, did this one at the Celebrity Theater right outside UNLV. And, uh, you know, probably trying to impress a girl or something stupid. Um, and our band was playing, and of course I just, like, tried to me to do my Davey Havoc impression and, like, front flip into the fucking... <laughs> into the front row off the stage. <laughs> and I ate shit. And thankfully, my uh, friend Jen, who was snapping pictures... I'll have to post this photo now. Um, I'll post it up. Thankfully, she didn't um, catch me eating shit, but she catches me, like, right after as I'm popping up, and you just see, like, classic look of embarrassment, and every like, and then everyone in the background, like, most people doing the, oh, my God, I can't believe he just did an epic party stunt, like, look. And then you see, like, other, like, girls and, like, friends of mine in the background, like, going, oh, my God, is he okay? <laughs> Of course, of course, of course, that, that is Dan Tom as a front man, right? <laughs> it's not going to be smooth. <laughs> Anyways, um, it really wasn't smooth for either fighter. It was looking good for Davey Grant early. And um, good on his corner, uh, John Wood, to call out to go back to the leg kicks. Because it looked like the fight was getting away from Davey. Got a little too excited. Maybe missed the window to finish Smolka. And maybe Smolka could have built on him, which looked like it could be happening. But then, uh, yeah, man, Davey kicked. Went back to the legs the next round and kicked his legs out. And then it looked like maybe, maybe would have made another mistake and let Smoker back into it by grappling with it. But next thing you know, it was a knockout by ground and pound. Uh, I'm glad I added the under because, uh, again, the main parlay, sadly, of uh, Cute Laba and someone else didn't hit. But Davy Grant and Chukagian uh, did hit because Chukagian defeated Amanda Hibas. Um, I thought it was a fairly clear win for Chukagian, but I wasn't scoring because I was too biased, so I was too biased because I bet, so I don't know how seriously you can even take me of saying it was a fairly, there's some people that I respect that were pretty adamant that it wasn't, um, some bet, some didn't, so I, I don't know if it, that was the sole reason, right, but I do gotta at least admit my own betting bias, and even though I, I saw it fairly clear, too, to even maybe even three rounds to one because of the takedowns, there wasn't much uh, damage, submission attempts, passing, um, with, you know, and, or, and there wasn't, like, an undeniable amount of control time where they're, like, controlling, like, you know, four minutes and 90 seconds or whatever, you know, kind of a thing. Um, you know, so 
yeah, but um, again, I'm biased, so I can't weigh in on that. Um, Manuel Torres defeated Frank Camacho. Uh, ooh, another one I lost out on. The odds checker sheet was rough. That was another reason. It was a, it's like these winning nights I can't feel too good about because I'm not, you know, like I I, I stand hard on the the, the Du Bronx night because you know the way it ended, the shit I was getting, and how right the analysis ended up being. Sure, but even that night, like. These big nights, even the nights where like I felt where I went like perfect on picks these these recent years, folks. Like I don't, you know, which unfortunately, especially on those nights, I don't do the uh, uh, Cody Saftik. Shout out to him by the way in the Dogger Pass podcast. Uh, awesome dudes over there, Paul. I believe he had a good weekend last weekend too. Um, but yeah, even on these good air quote weekends, I don't do that great. It's I mean because I'm not betting that much, folks. Again. You know, I don't know if I would really use that seven-year-old with an allowance line because, you know, that, that was a, a, a while ago. And I've, I've stepped up to not big boy units, but regular size units, which are big boy units to my cheap ass, uh, frugal ass, you know, $100 a unit. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, it, it's it's not like crazy margins I'm racking. I'm not having these, like, massive, like, 10 or 14 or 15 unit nights. There are times where I can have the potential for that, but we know how those go. I will get, get certain breaks, so you know. Again, it'll be still winning nights, so I can't complain. But you know, uh, um, one of these giant nights would be great. But you know what? I'm I'm happy when I see my friends fucking hit those. That's a lot of friends cash this last weekend, which was awesome. So I was I was I was actually way more happier uh, from from my friends for one. Uh, any of y'all cashing than I was for myself. And again, like I said. A lot of, like, oh, my official bet sheet tanked, and it was my ad that saved my ass. And on those nights, I don't feel as great because a lot of people are late. They don't, maybe they don't follow my stuff on Twitter. Maybe they only listen to the podcast or they only read the articles. And then they wouldn't have done well. And that didn't make me feel good. So that's why I didn't really, you know, not that I'm a victory lap person, anyways, but, you know. This one, again, no sour grapes here as far as, like, I, I know I tweeted that thing is which could have been misconstrued by the way i was like oh crap it's bad that i said this about a mexican fighter because it sounded like uh you know i'm, I'm sounding like you know oh, the cheap labor taking all the gerbs as uh ryan wag mma uh on twitter said i was like oh god love the last thing i need um those of you who know me know where, where i'm coming from this i don't even know frank something against that and honestly like i even tweeted later by the way i'm actually excited to see more of this manuel torres kid that was a really fucking sweet knockout you know what i'm saying like bet and result aside it was a really sweet knockout um but what i said before stands i mean it's nothing against the guy it's just he was signed in one of the most egregious seasons of dana white contender series where they were literally signing everybody and it was a card where it just like took my least favorite people and types of signees and put them all in one card like wasn't anything personal to these people it just it's like it's like just you know it's like teasing up a talking point it's like bringing up someone that fought on ufc fight night 13 and expecting me not to bring up ufc fight night 13 you know what i'm saying like it's just not gonna happen and they went and they fucking trotted all the motherfuckers out, like, you know, and I'm just like, it's like the movie where they can't see, like, right my lip, like, you know, the UFC's like, what? You have something to say about this, Dan? You have something to say? Why'd you go on your podcast and say it? And I was right about most of it, but I was wrong about this one. Um, Torres defeated Frank Tamacho. Um, and like I tweeted too, and, and like I tweet most of the times, even when I'm passionate about it. And folks, I complain when I win. Like, <laughs> It's not it's not sour grapes because I, I complain when I win in my defense. It's not that that makes me fucking sound great, but it's the truth, as you guys know. 
um, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of principle. Uh, you know, there's just certain principles and stuff that I just, you know, like paying your fucking dues. I'm sorry. Call me crazy. I believe in paying your damn dues. I don't not, you know, call me crazy. I believe you should, you know, fight someone, show someone, uh, show something before getting, you know, signed off of a fighting in the foul in an era where like, and I wrote this back when, um, they signed Brito where I was like, this guy looks talented, but like, I, I hate rewarding people off of fouls considering, um, all the fuckery we're seeing off of fouls as of late. I think like Sterling Yan just happened. And since then it's only gotten worse. Right folks. Like we're, how many, you know, just this year uh, of tech decisions and shit have we seen, right? Like, are these really the people we want to bring into the organization? Of course, it's a hell no if you have a common sense mind, but if you're the ultimate filling content and you got a contract with ESPN, you got to keep, well, you're fucking taking all comers, baby. And, you know, there's going to be good guys, there's going to be bad guys, there's going to be guys that get unfair hype, and there's going to be guys that get unfair shit, even unfair shit from people like me who... You know, I like to at least consider they have a good reason before they're casting their stones. But nonetheless, uh, I was wrong here. I'm excited to see more Torres. I still feel awful for Frank. You know, this was huge. You know, again, his, his record was underrated. It was the classic. He would have done so much more for Frank. And Manuel Torres would have been fine. The kid's still in his fucking mid-20s. He's fine. He'll be fine, you know. But it's, I should have known because it made sense. We know how MMA works, you know. Um, it's not as karmatic as we'd like, you know? Uh, anyways, um, Alan Nascimento defeated Jake Hadley. And a lot of people in my defense, a lot of you guys said, um, even before I made the ad, you're like, you, you, I had people going, you convinced me to bet this even though you didn't pick it because the case was so strong. So the fact that I, I ended up adding it, Shouldn't be a surprise, and I just hate it because it makes me look really wishwashy, and that's not what I I, I like to do, and you know, I, and don't get me wrong, picks, plays, and analysis are three different things. I say it at nauseum, and that's a proof. That's not something I just so selectively say. It's the truth. But for as much as I say it, I, I I actually seldom ever do these types of moves. That's why I feel bad for it, and uh, you know, it was it was a defensive to anybody, you know. Uh, Throwing shade my way, which, which no one really did, but you know, as far you know, I, I just don't even want to open myself up to that. You know what I mean? I like to be transparent. Um, but yeah, uh, easy to score because uh, Nascimento um, started getting off from top, which was a surprise. But at the same time, you know, it was you know he's got really good jujitsu and he has seen good jujitsu, whereas Hadley hasn't seen good jujitsu. But he he looks like he has good jujitsu, but he hasn't really seen ju- good jujitsu. So how good is his jujitsu? I still think it's good. I still think Hadley's good, and he's got some upside. Like, no hate to these guys, right? Like, uh, Torres and Hadley had different outcomes, but they both showed real skills, one in victory, one in defeat. Um, but it was just like, again, why are we going to reward someone for missing weight, mistreating the UFC staff badly? You know what I'm saying? Like, at least Hadley fought, you know, Cage Warriors, got a Cage Warriors title, um, fought, like, recognizable regional names there. But again, not your classic, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt uh, ace like Nascimento. Um, that's, you know, more found in the uh, um, continent of America's north and south, you know, as far as these jiu-jitsu studs. Um, so, yeah. Um, shout out to my guy at Brasscheck. And again, not to bring back any unfair stereotypes, you know. Um, although, you know, England can take it. You guys are okay. 
but like you said, you know, guy coming over from the English regionals and he's the English grappler, they usually don't do too well. And shouts to my, my fucking dude, Paul Sass, one of my favorite of those guys. But in general, think about it. You know, these guys have, tend to have a hard ceiling. They tend to hit it early. They tend to hit it rather well. So, you know, I'm not saying that's going to be the case for Hadley. There's a lot of stuff I like from him, but happy for Nascimento. Happy I played the money line too, because the, the, the sub prop didn't cash, even though you know he went for it. Viviani Arauge defeated Andrea Nazi Lee. Uh, oh man, Jesus Christ! That I mean, boy, does I don't even want to say she know how to pick him because that's just you know she's the same man. She's one and the same. So, um, yeah. Yeah, interested to see that Tony Kelly fight, huh, folks? Uh, versus, uh, I didn't even realize he was fighting Adrian Yanez. I like that matchup. Viviani Arauj defeated her. Um, wild first round, good fight. Uh, one of the many fights that could have gotten fight of the night over Chukagi and Hibosh. By the way, this is another thing, too, that, that annoyed me, the fucking bonuses. Like, you know, and again, like, it's fine to go to Torres or whatever, I guess, but it's like, it's, it's, these guys are getting rewarded with bonuses, right, and, and fed... You know, UFC contract, main card spots on ESPN, bonuses, while guys like Charles Oliveira, um, who paid their fucking dues, who actually made weight, who don't mistreat the UFC staff, who actually will take their money and give it to the fucking poor. Um, who's usually on the receiving end of fouls more than he's giving the fouls. Um, but what does he get? Yeah, he gets a, he loses his title, loses potentially fucking, you know. Millions, depending on how you want to quantify it, easy to make that argument, or at least, very least, put into jeopardy at the very least. Um, and then you know these fucks, uh, and don't even say it's at the goodness of their heart because they're always giving it to main card big names or bullshit. Uh, here's my theory, folks. Here's why: it's not because they're being nice, um, or this or that. Uh, it's because, and and this doesn't apply to Chukagi and Hibosh since none of them came through the contender series. Though again. You could accuse a different type of marketability that they're pushing there, which is more classic as far as Chukagian. Blonde and Uh But, uh, you know, but in general, look at where the bonuses are going, folks, whether they're good good fights or not. When it's bad fights, and usually I would just give the benefit of the doubt of their stupid fucking decision-making on these bonuses. People who follow me, especially for the MMA Junkie Radio Days, know I've been the most vocal, fucking consistently vocal person about these bonuses, where they're going. Um... I think they're going to the contender series to, to like pad Dana and make him look good, you know, like to reward, to reward them for making him look good because he always does the thing. If you don't know now, you know, right. And that's what he always highlights in the pre videos. And if they lose, he doesn't say anything, but if that contender series person that he's promoting beforehand folks wins, then Dana does the tweet and he reiterates the, if you don't know now, you know, and I think that energy right there is exactly why, you see them no matter how shitty they are, no matter how shitty of a setup, how shitty of a scenario, if they win, um, or even if they lose, 
it's, it'll give them the, the excuse to give them the bonus. It feels like because it's gonna, you know, it's gonna reaffirm. Look at the, look at them. They came in, they won, they got a bonus. It's because I know how to pick them. Look at this. Yes, this person came into their contender series. They beat a veteran and they got a bonus. You know, and it just makes it look like there's such a fucking hot hotline, hot ticket. Come get your fucking low salary, low income pay ticket for poverty, baby. Got to bet on yourself because you can't make enough fucking money. Can't get the insurance and the dudes you guys should all fucking deserve anyways. Contender series or not. You know, it just propagates that bullshit. So it's, it's more than just a bet. It's more than just a pick. It's like, that's what I mean by there's, there's, there's layers of this shit of what's going on here. So, eh, anyways. Um, fucking Bill Burr of MMA Podcasting. Asian Bill Burr of MMA Podcasting over here. And tell us more, Grandpa. Michael Johnson defeated... <laughs> speaking of that, uh, speaking of Grandpa, Michael Johnson defeated Alan Patrick. Um, I, I should have laid this one. I had a winning night anyway, so I guess I don't regret it that badly. But this is, so that you know, Michael Johnson, Southpaw... This is such a damn bet, and what would have pulled the trigger is if I remembered to say the thing before that I always say is, Dan, you picked him and you bet him to beat Khabib. You're not going to pick him and bet him to beat Alan Patrick, you motherfucker. Yeah, slap, slap, slap. Good job, MJ. Um, Vierna Angie Joba defeated Angie, Angie Hill. Angie versus Angie, baby. Um, Subprop missed. Again, would have made the night a lot nicer. Um, but uh, Angie Joba came through. Although it didn't matter because the parlay leg uh, was a bust, but uh, but yeah, um, and people were like, "Wow, why why are they acting like the fight closer?" Just talking about Angela's improvements, even though she's getting dominated. Hmm, folks, who who called that out? Who called it out? I say I I tweeted out, I quote tweeted my guy Eric Nixick. So just like if if anybody on that broadcast team is fighting, you were you are not gonna get. Um, unbiased commentary and it's just and it's even doubly so because like Cruz is like a, a teammate of Angie and he never like even like states the obvious like the elephant in the room like come on dude again folks I'm going to say it for the billionth time as I'm proven right for the billionth time <sighs> in all phases of this space there are a ton of people who ain't stating their fucking biases out there and it is problematic so I continue to state mine Tatsuro Tyra defeated Carlos Candelario nice to see an Asian Doing Asian things, kicking ass, baby. Um, on Asian American Heritage, Asian Heritage Week, Asian Appreciation, Asian American Pacific Islander, all the abbreviations and acronyms, whatever you want to call it. The UFC sure as shit ain't celebrating it. Pretty much everyone will throw out promos for this stuff because I know that's the day and age and it's awareness. But hey, you know what? I know it's bullshit and backhanded most of the time. But listen, when you come from a fucking segment that gets nothing, you'll be happy when you get some crumbs. You know, sure, we deserve more, and maybe I shouldn't be fucking, you know, uh, having that attitude about it, but I'm not going to lie. It's nice to have a little bit of something and just, yep, yeah, no, we're going over a decade, folks. Um, they're, they're doing literally everything but anything Asian. Uh, so, yeah, good on Tyra, but uh, don't expect it. We're, we're almost through May. It's going to be another quiet May in MMA. And just sports in general. Um, especially North American sports, because, yeah, not very welcome space, but hey, whatever. Uh, go Tyra. Fuck shit up, dog. Andre Petrowski defeated Nick Maximoff. Oh, boy. And again, this was another one where I was just like, I, I might as well pick Petrowski. I don't know what, was it because I got proven wrong on Matt? Not proven wrong, but I, you know, I, I was wrong on him. 
and I get so upset and I use it so much that I didn't want to, I did my typical subconscious overcorrecting the steering wheel the other way, right? I didn't want to pick against him. Um, because I laid it out for Petrovsky, and uh, yeah, I'm glad I ended up uh, pulling the trigger on him, uh, money line, and obviously didn't need round three because he submitted him right away. Like Jesus, who expected that? Even people betting the sub like me didn't expect that right away. But again, man, these fucking fraudulent fucking contender series folk. Like, you know, dude, dude fought um some random ass heavyweight and then like arguably loses to Brendage, definitely loses to Soriano. And yeah, it's fucking stupid. That was a stupid line. You know? And it's uh, yeah, that was that was uh that was boosh. Um almost as boosh as the bonuses, but thank you, thank you, Petrovsky. Alright, where are we at on time now? Thirty-six twenty-four. All right, let's see. Let me get the rest of this done here. Thirty-six twenty-four. All right. Um, UFC Fight Night. UFC Vegas fifty-five. UFC Fight Night. Home Vieira. Holly Holm minus two fifty. Caitlin Vieira plus two hundred. So this is interesting. I came into this fight. Um. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine. Um. And. Uh, I was just like, you know, I was like, I'll explain on the pod. I'm like, I probably think I'm crazy. Not because I'm opposite. I don't mind being opposite of people. But uh, my buddy was on probably the things that I was looking to be on or what you would expect me to be on coming into this card, let's just say. And I, after the analysis, I just surprised myself and went the other way. So much so that I not only picked, but in, in, in some cases here played. Uh, and Holly Holm was one of them. I was going to look to fade with Caitlin Vieira. I mean, Jesus Christ, I picked Aldana. And that looks stupider in hindsight, granted, with the way, it f- you know, who knew that Aldana was going to be that bad at fighting a southpaw where she's just chasing the outside angle, where she's just running into a circle and getting pieced um, by an injured Holly Holm. It wasn't even like a, a up-to-health Holly Holm. And I know she's had to get over some injuries here, but, um, you know, stupid metric granted, but, you know, going on her Instagram and seeing her doing, like, one-legged squats on roller skates tells me her knee is probably okay. Um, and the way she's moving around doing pads and whatnot, um, I know she's 40 and, and Vieta's 30. I think that's a big thing. We know how MMA gamblers are. Fucking hate old people. Fucking hate them. Fucking uh, MMA gamblers are, like, you know, like, the Nazis are, like, like, you know, like, you know, like, like Nazis in the sense of like I feel like if you would have passed a vote like bring back concentration camps but just for old fighters doesn't matter what their religion are we're not going to go down anything dark angles but just for the old fighters doesn't matter what sex race religion just for old but I feel like you get a Twitter poll up there I, I think you're getting about a 60 40 uh in the in the favor <laughs> I can't believe they just fucking hate old people man um but like, but yeah, uh, but like, as I always compare the women's division to heavyweight men's MMA, is the volatility not because of the knockout power, but because of the results, um, which in this case would be a case for Vieta since she's a decent underdog. But also the more parallel, uh, speaking to the age, as far as, um, you know, your prime lasting a bit longer. Um, you know, it does, man. You know. Um, Part of it, you could say, women are still, you know, not too far off of the. Uh, they're not in the Fox era yet. They're, they're. I want to say they're past the Chuck Liddell and 
Randy Couture era of their sport, right? But they're not quite, maybe maybe they're getting into the Fox era if we're, like, going by the men's timeline or whatever. But all that bullshit speculation aside, like, you know, go look at your average yoga gym, you know? There's a reason why there's, like, why the 40- and 50-year-old women are, like, not just kicking ass all the dudes who think they're athletic and they're going in a hot yoga class and getting slaughtered, because it happens, folks, believe me. These damn shits are brutal. Um, but they're also, like, kicking the young girl's ass, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's something about, like, you know, there's an old, if we, there's an old man strike, well, there's gotta be something for an old woman, right? Uh, <laughs> she's standing, making fucking home sound like she's a 50-year-old fucking cardio kickboxing junkie at the aerobics class. But, like, um, <laughs> but anyways, age isn't, you know, as big of a factor, uh, in the women's MMA divisions. Just ask Pat Barry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. All right. Going to hell for that one. Um, Yeah. Break down, man. Break down the fight. Uh, yeah. But basically, um, I like Holmier. Vieira, she's strong, but she's not um, a- as athletic and explosive. Like, only in recent fights, she's finally doing stuff like snatch singles and level-changing doubles, which are going to be her best shot against Holly. Other than that, she's really dependent uh, in the clinch. And even on the double legs and stuff before, they would almost come off of, like, Uchimata's, where she would use it kind of like Fedor style to get them off balance. But instead of just winging hooks off the separation, she would change levels um, and then reshoot uh, from there uh, if she was, uh, you know, close enough to the fence to drive for assistance. Because, again, the explosion, the explosion, the finish and follow-through, um, it's not there for Vieta. She's very technical and crafty. She's got plenty of ways to take you down, as she should for someone who's a both a judo black belt and someone who's competed um, at least regionally uh, re- uh, and earned accolades that way for wrestling. And yes, she's a judo, uh, jiu-jitsu black belt as well. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, but that's the thing is, like, her game's not even that game over. Like, even Yana Kunitskaya, who, you know, could, could fool the masses um, <laughs> as far as people just, like, over overleaning into the damage thing, which is fine if you want to count the elbows, but... You know, again, by the way, rewatching that, I actually felt there was more. I, I know I'm, I'm more okay with that, and I still am more okay with that third round that I always use as an example. I'll take a shot talking about Caitlin Vieira and the Kutskaya. You know it was coming. But rewatching that, I actually thought Kunitskaya had more of an argument to win round one than she did in round three, um, making me even more okay with the result. But again, what I had a problem was was people's argument for it basing it on round three and the strike she did while she had her back taken. I not count I'm sorry, I'm not counting shit if you have your back taken. And instead of defending or getting up, you're punching like a fucking noob. That's not we should not reward. It's like should we should should we reward someone for smearing shit on their face because it was an attempt to paint? You know? <laughs> that's, that's that's what you're telling me. Um but yeah, uh you know, but even like Yannicka Skaya, who is opting for like the most stupidest, like again sh- smearing shit in her face over defending, like she couldn't even get her out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and she tried, even though you know most people again making the argument won't talk about the submission attempts, but they'll talk about someone who had their back taken and how they were punching instead of trying to defend or get up or reverse the position. You know why? Why bother with any of those options? You have such leverable, doable shots. <laughs> Sorry, hate that shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, what was I saying? Yeah, but it's not like she's got a game over game. And Holly Holm has really been improving her ground game. Like, 
yeah, Misha take dogged her out late into a title fight. And, like, um, maybe there's something to be said there because, you know, I, I think Arena Aldana had, like, a late moment too, like in round four or five. And then, of course, home like, finished super strong with the Aldana fight, right? Um, but, like, uh, she, uh, you know, she... She's really improved in her grappling. We've seen that, you know. Granted, you know, she would test it out against Megan Anderson early. She would use it in a neutralizing aspect and a losing effort to Cyborg. But then after that, she really starts getting much more confident and physical with it. And um, even though I don't think it's the smartest thing to do here, like, Kaylin Vieira doesn't look like she has great takedown defense, and not a lot of people try to take her down. So, like, if Jackson Wink wanted to get cute, I think she could dictate the wrestling in this fight because, again, um, say what you will about Ronda Rousey. I know it's a different era and ages, but, like, Rousey was an athlete. Rousey was a really good takedown artist. Rousey was really aggressive. Rousey, in the gi and as well as um, MMA, but especially, like, if you really watched, like, her gi, uh, judo, she had, like, almost, like, a lot of wrestling, and I'm very ignorant to the judo names, but a lot of the takedown she was using wasn't, like, your basic, like, you know, uh, foot sweeps and you know, uchimadas. Like, she had, like, almost, like, wrestling-looking takedowns. Um, granted, she used a lot of the head and arm or, or uchimadas and those classics because just why not? People were giving it to you. You could get away with it. It's still a very prime position for, for whatever, for one reason or another in, in WMMA. Um, so that's what she mainly went with with MMA, but... Uh, even though she's not as diverse with her MMA takedowns as Vieira is on paper, she was way more aggressive, way more initiative, way more athleticism, way more finishing power and prowess than Vieira, and Holm was able to shut that shit down. Um, and even when she's not facing the Rouseys of the world, if you look when she gets in clinch, she has that she has that like burnt into her from that camp where she will like cross uh, cross block fr uh, frame across the hips which shuts the shit out of knees, which Vieira's tried to get a bit more active of since that since she got burned in the Kunitskaya fight. But again, she's not like a physical presence. She's not a knockout threat. She's throwing with much more intent, and she's got the hard trigger counters, the uppercut hook, the cross uh, hook return. But she doesn't have knockout power, you know, folks. You know, she doesn't... Um, she was able to, you know, bust up Misha Tate's uh, face pretty bad, but Misha Tate, like dating all the way back to some of her first fights back in the regional days where she got, like, her nose busted and broken all over. Like, she's always been very cuttable and busted openable and swell. Like, that's nothing new for Misha Tate. She, she you know, much less over five rounds. Well, of course, you're going to eventually see it. And it was probably the worst Misha Tate in the fact of, you know, she was at her best, physical, most knowledge, yada, yada. But as far as game plan goes, bad, you know? Um and we saw it ever since that uh, home fight where she got bailed out by dogging it out of a position. But what was she doing before then? And I don't want to, you know, talk shit where I eat because I don't know the guy, but the guy works with a lot of extreme couture fighters. And I'm sure he's a great guy and he seems to be friends with a lot of the coaching staff where I'm friends with the extreme couture. So I'm not trying to talk shit or whatever. Uh, I'm sure he's perfectly great. I just, uh, the Jimmy Gifford guy, I just don't know if the particular style is either being portrayed wrong and applied wrong by his fighters or just what I suspect is maybe his style and training, albeit good, maybe not good for the fighters that he is coaching, which is a lot of this ones and twos and good, really good fundamentals, really good fun. The guy knows his shit, but 
from what I see, at least how his fighters are, it's a lot of, which lateral movement isn't bad. Not enough fighters know how to do it properly. But a lot of lateral movement to the point where you're almost on your back foot. Not a ton of combinations. Um, or putting your fighters in positions to hit combinations. Um, not a ton of kicks, knees, and clinch work. Just a lot of boxing. Back foot boxing. Against fighters who really, or their games aren't suited to do so. Um, we saw it with Calvillo, and she just got fucking been getting lawnmowered and got her self-esteem kind of, you know, driven into the ditch, right? Um, and then with Tate, you know, Renault is at least going to give her, you know, the opportunities as we see Renault, right? Which she will do in her fights. Um, but when we saw against somebody disciplined and forced Misha to have a game plan and apply something because she was disciplined and a counterfighter, which Vieta inherently is overall standing or on the ground individually as well. Um, it really forced Tate to show a game plan and structure and that striking process. And again, for the reasons I, I speculated, because all it's all it is is speculation, folks. Um, <clears throat> it didn't it didn't work out very well, right? And um, against someone like Holm, well, maybe it, it'll be the opposite. Maybe we get a slow fight, which is very possible here. But it's the small cage, which can help a bit can help the grappling of Vieira but if she's not sh strong as home I don't see her you know with enough chains or initiative and if she does get her down I think she's going to really have to work for it and she doesn't do a lot of damage when she's on there and she's not game over so if she doesn't finish home will she even win the round will she hold her down long enough and get enough done to, you know, because Holm is super athletic and scrappy and has really improved her ground game. So if that's not there, then the small cage should force exchanges. And in that case, um, and, and if Vieta's going to sit back and wait, then Holm's going to, you know, she can counter, but she, she also has her preset programs. Like, whether you're giving her stuff to counter or not, she's going to be keeping busy and, and filling numbers, and, and she's a consistent round winner. So I feel like she's going to win this fight fairly easily uh, because another thing I noticed is that, you know, Vieira, not very easily, but surpri maybe surprisingly easily for some because uh, I think I feel like people many, people many people are on the fence about picking her, which is fine. She could lose. This is MMA. This is women's MMA, right, folks? I'm not selling you any guarantees here. I'm just, just telling you what I saw and I felt fairly strongly about it, about someone who wanted to go the other way. Um, was I noticed that not just with Zingano, that the body kicks were really doing bad. Like, body shots in general, Vieira doesn't block very well, especially body kicks. And when faced with the one southpaw she has faced, which was Kat Zingano, who was not you know, that great of a striker, like, even Kat's sloppy-ass version, and she wasn't even, like, doing a traditional double attack, but just the fact that she was a southpaw who will work the body as well the head, like, Caitlin was trouble, had a trouble getting a beat on it. In fact, in general, both against Southpaw and Orthodox fighters, she seems to have trouble reading if things are coming to the body and the head. I think that's why she's now, even when she is getting more comfortable striking, she's not good. she doesn't have good eyes as far as it goes. That's why she's automatically doing the rear-handed parry and just returns, kind of like a... Kind of like a... 
uh, one of the theories I posed with Gaethje, not making a direct comparison with her to Gaethje, but as far as she needs that that, that perception and feel. And like like Gaethje, maybe maybe she doesn't have a great vision either, right? Like Gaethje, she didn't see shots of the body very well. And um, unlike Gaethje, this is something that I noticed with her, and, and it's more apropos to this matchup, is that whether it was the left hook from Aldana, left hook from other orthodox fighters, left straights, from Zingano, again, no matter the stance, left-sided strikes seem to tag her a lot. Left-sided strikes, whether they're punches or kicks, and body shots, no matter what they are or what side they come from. What does Holly Holm do? Yep, she Mainly head, but she does work a lot of that body kick as well, and she works it with her in conjunction with that left cross, right? That left cross will come in counterbalance after the kick is thrown to the body, the southpaw left kick. Um, and I feel like she's going to tag her up with that. And Vieta, as not just, by the way, in the um, where she was knocked out, like she's been rocked in a, in a few of her fights. So I don't even know how good her chin is. I don't know how good her gas tank is. And she's going to be, you know, striking with the best striker on her resume. She's faced a ton of grapplers. She hasn't faced a ton of strikers at all. Um, and now there's not a lot of good strikers at the level of, of home or, or the even higher than home, which would be like the Shevchenkos of the world. Um, so it's not like a, it's not throwing shade. It's just a fact. And again, if Holly is still any semblance of who she is. And she's only been actually looking like stronger and a better MMA fighter quietly. Like we tend to write her off. She got, we saw her get choked out and knocked out with a head kick by Nunez. But if you look around those, those fights, like, you know, um, since getting choked out and, um, even with the losses she sustained to Cyborg and Nunez, again, no, 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 no slouches there. Exactly. Dude, she's gotten better, man. She's gotten to be a better MMA fighter, even a better um, striker, in my opinion. Um, more power, a little bit more diversity. I mean, she's so road at this point, it's hard to get away from those preset patterns, but you could tell she's making some efforts to change certain things up, a little bit more check-right hooks. Um, so, yeah, I took Holly in a parlay, and even though decision seems right, I'm setting myself up. I think this is, uh, you know, this is going to be the once, you know, I said once in every seven years or whatever, Michael Chandler fights smart. Like once every five to seven years, Holly Holm gets a finish in the UFC. Um, and she's definitely due. She's only had two in her whole tenure of seven years. Um, I think she's due here. Another judoka, another Brazilian. Um, it's going to happen to. Um, so I took half a unit at plus 450. <clears throat> Sounds like a lot. But I'm actually doing 1.5 instead of the unit, normal one unit for the parlay. And I'm doing half unit sprinkles on each of the bonus legs. So if this parlay falls apart, you know, we can still either make some of it back or still profit if two of the three hit. I mean, if just this one hits alone, uh, it almost make it all back, I think, because it's like 225 bucks back or something. So that's like 25 bucks short, including the... That's assuming that... Not only does the parlay miss, but like the other two um, half unit plus money uh, prop flyers attached to a miss as well, which may not happen. Um, all right, next fight. Uh, I'll try to go through this faster. Um, I just feel like I have to defend why I'm picking and playing Holly Holm because I still think I'm crazy. I still can't believe myself as I'm saying it. Uh, Michelle Payette, uh, and also Caitlin Bieta, she like cries and stuff over like fighting Kat Zingano. She did it to Misha Tate. And 
So if there's parts of those fights where you think she could have finished, she probably could have. But she has like so much respect, and it gets in the way. So that's another reason. Like even if she gets in a, even if let's say she rocks home, I don't think she finishes her. You know, I don't know if she can. Um, and you guys know I always like to bet against that angle too. If that if there's any presence of like them asking for autographs in the middle of the octagon, Michelle Pereja minus one thirty five, Santiago Ponzinibbio plus one fifteen. Um, <clears throat> wow, I didn't expect it to move this much. Um, I, I came in expecting to pick another uh, Pajeda decision, as I've been doing. I haven't have enough balls to play him or play the decision prop, so I can't break too hard there. But I've been warning you all, this guy's been fighting more technical, more smarter. Um, he hasn't been leaning on the wrestling as much like in the last fight that I thought he would against uh, Filaho. Um, <laughs> Andre Filaho, baby. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think that's because grappling ultimately is what tires him, right? If you look at it, it makes sense. Um, and he comes from a grappling base. He's, you know, he, he comes from karate, uh, karate, black belt in jiu-jitsu, black belt in karate. And he's got a bunch of like uh, regional wrestling accolades, kind of like Ketlin Vieira, but for, for male, for men's. Um, and you see that come through with like opportunistic takedowns. But I think he really saves them just to alleviate pressure. Which he may do with Ponzinibbio. Um, and Ponzinibbio's got pretty decent um, takedown defense as far as like his counter-wrestling footwork and shot selections and the whole package, not just the defense itself, which actually isn't bad. Um, he's really good senses. really improved that over the years, as he should at American Top Team, right? <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I actually like Ponzinibbio here. And it's crazy because he's the older guy I know and Michelle Pajeda. And he's Demolador, and he's giant, and he's jacked, and he does the backflips. And now he's fighting smart and technical, which I do think people should focus on more. And he definitely deserves credit. And he could win by decision here, which is why I'm staying away from the under. Um, otherwise, it would be hella tempting. But I actually took Ponzanibio here. Maybe I should have waited for a better number, not that I might not get it in my house. Uh, so I just took plus 105 for one unit. And I also sprinkled on rounds two and three. Uh, plus 1,100 and plus 2,200, my usual .17 units. I think it's either going to be a greedy decision that can go either way, which in that case, Ponzinibbio money line will cash. Or he makes a late rally and finishes him either at the end of round two or sometime in round three. Because <clears throat> Pajeda has been good enough and better enough than the guys that he's been fighting, especially like the Zalim and Madaevs of the world. And Fialo, you know, he's good, but you got to remember he came in in short notice for that fight. And I know he's looked good since, but he's fought short notice kind of cans since then too, right? Um, or, you know, or the, or the Bieza fight where which is a good guy but mischaracterized. So it, depending on who you ask, that thing's going to be weighted and valued a bunch of different ways. So in other words, don't put too much in the the, 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 the um sample size. Um, but w what was noticeable was that Hedo really hurts guys to the body. He hurts almost everybody he fights to the body. And Ponzinibbio is very hittable to the body. That is going to be something interesting, right? Um, because it's like, dude, he's, he's, he's bound to stop these guys to the body one of these times, right? Because he's almost doing it in a lot of these fights. Again, everybody's talking about all the flashy shit that doesn't land. Of course, you know, Dan Tom here's talking about body shots because he's a hipster. No, because it fucking hurts, man. It fucking is a great shot um, that people don't 
count or tribute enough. Um, and you see it physically hurting and changing the posture of these people. But you also see people changing physically changing their posture from Ponzinibbio's leg kicks. So I have, you know, Pon's legs, uh, Michelle body. Um, but the difference is, I think that legs are more attritional, whereas body, they can be attritional too, for sure. But, um... I feel like you can recover from it, you know, than like a, a compromised le leg. You know, we've seen the Travis Brown Alistair Overing, even from a liver shot, the most devastating of all the body shots, right? We've seen people recover, come back, recompose themselves into a, a winning condition and win. Um, where it's harder, it can be done with legs, but it's harder even then they, they get the win, but it's like a miraculous comeback and they're hobbling really bad right after. Like they, didn't, they never recompose. They, they were fucked up the whole time. They just happened to pull it off. Um, and I think that's going to be good, especially for Ponzinibbio's movement or Pajeda's movement. Now, Pajeda will switch southpaw, but as we saw with the Jeff Neal fight, like Ponzinibbio, even if you're a southpaw, and even if you're a southpaw who checks, because Jeff Neal like hurt Ponzinibbio early in the fight or midway through a fight with a check, even, but it didn't deter Pons. Pons kept at it and like he finished that strong. Like he had like Jeff Neal like wobbling on his leg, you know, and. That fight was a lot closer. I mean, you could have made the argument for Ponzinibbio straight up, but even round three, which was like the round where everybody was like, oh, Neil for sure. And I'm not saying that, you know, he shouldn't have got it, by the way. But I will say this. It was a lot closer than people are giving credit for if you not only look at those leg kicks that Ponzinibbio lands in that fight and every fight akin to Pajeda's body work. You got to give, we got to be fair, right? And give credit on both sides here. But, not just in that fight with Ponzinibbio and a lot of his fights. Like, I wrote, Pons looks more hurt than he actually is. Um, it's because he does this drifting thing, and he always tries to, like, drift you. He'll always kind of shift, drop his shoulder, and drift. And it almost looks like he's rocked, but all he's doing, he's stepping all out away to a safe space. And if you hit him on the side that's open, he can roll with it. But if he rolls with it and goes with the motion, the more he goes with the motion, the more it looks like he's stepping off balance and the more it looked like it hurt him when really he's just taking it off and rolling with the shot. So not only does it work for getting out of dodge, A, it helps to roll if you get hit with something whilst trying to get out of dodge, B, but it also, C, see the knockdown against Mike Perry, and it wasn't a fluke because he came inches from doing it a little bit before that fight. Another fight where I think a lot of people criticized him because they thought he would get the finish. He was a big favorite, yada, yada, yada. And it was one of those weird fights where it was like Perry did deceptively really... He, he, Perry stepped up and did really good against in losses against like the best guys. Some of the best guys he fought, like Luke and, and Pons, and then went on this downtrend. So again, it kind of fucks up the perspective, right? And so you think, you're thinking of the Perry you recently saw, and you're like, what? Oh, yeah, Pons must suck if he fought... If I remember him fighting close to him, I was like, no, if you go back... Pons isn't fighting as close as you think. Like, he's not as hurt. Like, I know Rogan and people in the commentary are like, he's rocked. Like, if you look at it, though, he really is not getting hit that hard. And his eyes are awake, and, and he's aware, and he's, he's back on. But he, he likes to retreat and reset. And again, he has that move that makes it look like he's hurt whilst doing so. But there's actually, like, multiple defensive and offensive layers to the move. But it's really bad. I'm not going to lie. It is bad body language, and it does make it look like he's hurt way more than he actually is. Does Ponzinibbio get hurt? Yes. Can he get hurt? Absolutely. Will he get hurt in this fight? Probably, folks. He could even lose. I'm, I'm, I believe me. I'm not saying the contrary. I'm not saying it can't happen. But 
between Pajeda actually being much more of a body puncher than he really is this knockout guy, right? You know, I know he, he busted on the scene against Danny Roberts, and I love Danny Roberts, folks, but, you know, as 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 I proved, as I talked about before and was proven once again after with that Francisco Trinaldo fight, the guy does not wear damage well even when he survives it, right? Um, his body's always, like, short-circuiting and doing shit, right? Like, um, Pajeda much more of a body puncher than he is a, a point striker and a body puncher or a body, you know, a body striker than he is, like, a one-hit knockout guy. Now... Bejeda does throw really accurate hooks, and he's been working his boxing, and he won't throw check hooks or counter hooks. And as we saw with Li Jing Liang, granted that was the perfect check hook, folks. It was it was the perfect check hook plus Ponzi coming off of a you know th- three year layoff, near three year layoff off life threatening shit, right? Um, it was like the perfect storm. But you know what? As perfect of a storm it may have been, can it can it happen again? Of course it can. Can it happen in this fight? Of course it can. Uh, Pajeda does throw that counter hook, but unless he hits him with that counter hook or shows to hurt Ponzi to the body and Ponzi can't... Because Ponzi's always come back from attritional damage, right? From legs, uh, being rocked, being wrestled, like all these different types of attrition. We've seen Ponzi Nibiu come back all times throughout his career, even after, um, you know, the quote-unquote, you know, life-changing health scare and whatnot. And he's looked better each time out, uh, physically, performance-wise, and we'll see how he performs, but according to his IG, like he's never looking like completely shredded. It's nothing like night and day difference, but given my old strict eye tests, he's looking the best I've seen him in a long time coming into this fight. And he's 35. If he's going to have one last ride, it's going to be here. Pajeda can still be, you know, I, I hate going back to the Dusko Todorovic because I feel like that's the example everyone draws up whenever they've taken a shot against Pajeda or they're trying to make a case against him. And I get it. I, 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 I saw that case being made, and I, I laid out why you could make that with Fialho, but why I ultimately went with Pajeda by decision, and that played out. But here is different because you have a guy who, again, Fialho, I know he you know knocked out a can, and everybody, you know, I would argue unfairly shits on poor Baeza, um, even though I'm you know shitting on a call. I was referencing him as a bad pet. I'm not trying to dumb on that. I actually feel for the kid. Um but like, but yeah, like uh, Fialho is very hurtable. He was hurt by in that Bieza fight. Like he's hurtable in a lot of his fights. So, um, that you know th- that's not Ponz. I mean, Ponzinibbio can it's hurtable too. But he 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 comes back. He's got a better gas tank. Um, more, uh, he's a better kicker. You know, better footwork, better pace, uh, output, wrestling, offensive, defensive. Jiu-jitsu, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So even if Pajeda does wrestle him and stuff to try to mute the pressure, that's good. Even if he's successful at takedowns, because I don't, he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna submit Ponzinibbio unless Ponzinibbio is hurt. So he's just gonna scramble with him, and that's gonna benefit Ponzinibbio because it's gonna tire Pajeda, especially if the grappling is what tires him out. Plus the pace, you know, the small cage. You know, Ponzinibbio is like a little buzzer bee. You know, cuts off the cage. Really good footwork. Um, again, I think it's gonna be a sketchy first round. Uh, but if the fight doesn't end in the first, I think Ponzinibbio could start pulling away in the second. Now, it might be greasy, and you have, you know, Ponzinibbio looking between Ponzinibbio, you know, Ponzinibbio could, could semi-clearly win two of the three rounds and still lose the decision because, you know, it'll be split on round two, and then two of the three judges would got a soul on the flashy shit that didn't really land or hurt Ponzinibbio, but Bejeda throws flashy shit that judges the casuals love, 
And again, like I said about Ponzinibbio, he gives off the body language that he's more hurt than he that he is a lot of times. Um, so that alone, Ponzinibbio could lose a fight that he wins here. But for for all the analysis and mainly the directionality, is that at the end of the day, Ponzinibbio does best when he can get you between the inner black octagon lines and the and the fence, and that's where Pajeda hangs out. Like you guys know how it is with that formula, that directionality formula. It's a it's a pretty high percentage of all the shit I laid out. It's a pretty high percentage ones. Then you add in the fact that anybody that could jab, even if they had a, a shorter reach and weren't as vaunted as a striker, has pretty much been able to hit um, Bejeda, you know? And I know Bejeda's been working on his boxing more, but what's that going to mean? He's going to try to exchange jabs more with a guy who can just split jabs better? Yeah, the jabs, the directionality, the ex- extended exchanges. like, And that's another thing, too. It's, it's really got to be... Unless it's like the perfect counter, like Li Jing Lang. Like you look at um, Lorenz Larkin went back to watch that fight. Other times where Ponzinibbio has been hurt, it's been fighters who really kind of extended the exchange. And that's not really Pajeda. Pajeda's like one, he's like a one, one, two move. One, one, two, right? One, one, two, one, two, counter. One, one, two, right? He's, he's moving around, resetting, posturing. One, two, right? And it's 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 never, he's seldomly ever throwing in threes you know um and those are the guys that get that get pawns because again pawns is a deceptively good defense but you got to get them you got to get them in extended exchanges and Pajeda doesn't do that so for me Pajeda's got to either bullshit a decision um and he can legitimately win the decision too by the way but like it, it it's going to be a little bit of bullshit in there too though right or he's going to have to really hurt pawns which is very possible but if it Here's the thing, though. If he hurts Ponza and doesn't finish him, that's really good because, you know, he's going in here saying, and Ponza's expecting a war, whereas uh, Pajeda's going, oh, I'm going to knock him out in the first round. So it's like, well, I almost want to sweat my money and even though I'll be watching this live, and I almost want Ponza and Ibia to get hurt in that first round because then you know Pajeda's going to empty the tank on him. And then at that point, if Ponza and Ibio survives, even if you weren't even on him, well, you better be at that point. You better live bet him. Because he's going to win the fight if that scenario happens, I believe. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I played Ponzinibbio. Rounds two and three. Uh, sprinkle and one unit. All right. Uh, cheating Ninja Kwan minus 240. Uh, Dusko Durko Todorovich. Dusko Todorovich. Dusko Dusk Dusk the American dream. Somebody get me a thumb of sausage. <laughs> Sorry. That was... Uh... Man, Brad's checks name for him. Dusky Toads there. Uh, I'm on Cheaty here. I got him in a parlay with Holm. He is, um, he's not the third leg. He's the second leg, folks. Easy. Um, we'll get to the third leg in a second. It's not who you think it is either. <laughs> Even though I've called that man the perpetual third leg in parlays before. We'll get to his fight. Um, I'm taking Cheaty here. Um, it's funny. It's like all these fighters in my parlay. I didn't realize this, folks, and now I'm nervous about it. I didn't think about this intentionally. I'm backing fighters that I bet money against. And at the very least, picked against last time. Um, but, it, you know, it's not overcorrecting the steering wheel. I was very familiar with Chidi's game. I just was expecting, you know, Marc-Andre Barriol to be durable and for it to be close. And I took the dog, uh, I believe, was that that was the play in that fight, right? Anyways, but um, it was wrong, no matter what it was. Uh, you know, Chidi got to his finishing ways. And I, now that I looked at it more, I was like, you know what? I think that's the middleweight, too. Middleweight, I think, is really the key for Chidi. As I tweeted, most people, you know, they comment on Chidi's voice, but he, he that actually happened to him on one of his many weight cuts to welterweight. The guy should never have been cutting that low. 
um, literally did permanent damage to his body. Like, yeah, his voice sounds all cool, whatever. Like, this. he didn't always sound like that, folks. He, it's literally how fucked up weight cutting is. Like, you can go blind, you can permanently fuck up your voice, uh, a lot of things, folks. So that's what that's from. So I do wonder, like, now that he's at 185, if you look at it, like, all his wins are by finish. Uh, 185, even like his catchweight fights, like he just does better. You know, has he lost fights at 185 or at catchweights before? Sure, yes, he has. But those came to either you know good fighters early in his career, um, which he's beaten good fighters early in his career as well, and that was a problem of why he got put into those spots to fail. Because again, you know, Chidi's a martial artist, a real humble cat. But you know, people will stereotype them that oh, big muscly black dude, he must you know want he probably just wants to fuck everybody up and will be. You know, really good if we just put him in. And, like, he was put in some spots. And even he said so himself. He's like, dude, I was the kid. I was getting thrown in these fucking spots. Like, you know, and his, his brother had a name. Like, if you, in retrospect, it really, it really, you know, it, it it really wasn't fair. You know, it's like, I think someone was making fun of him today. Like, oh, what? You're scared of the media? How are you scared? We're, we're afraid of you. Like, like, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've just always been around um, fighters and, and, and people like that. It's just like. I always just laugh at, like, the... And, yes, we joke, and I have my own jokes of stereotypes, which are obvious with obvious wink and a nudge, at least I hope. But it does make me funny when people are, like, are seriously like, oh, no, look, this big scare. Like, they're human beings too, folks. I don't know how to break it to you. Like, it's just like, you know, you know, some stereotypical scary-looking dude and, or whatnot. But I'm um, like, yeah, Chidi just always seemed like a good dude, man. Um, so I was always like Cheedy, um, but he's a really talented dude too, and, and he is, you know, I can see why people are scared of him by his skills, because goddamn, the guy's scary as far as that department goes. Yeah, yeah, striking in that octagon, he is scary. Um, and he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under Sergio Pena. So if Dusko Dodorovic tries to get his, gets him to the ground, I don't think it's going to be game over. Dusko Dodorovic, actually pretty good on the ground. Like, he works to mount. He's a really good process on the ground. His process is suspect everywhere else, but when he actually does get fights to the ground, it's good. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt there, but his wrestling's not great. He's always bending at the back. He went 0 for 14 trying to take down Teddy Ash on the Contender Series. Um... So, yeah, I don't think so. Like, even the times were, like, uh, recently where you've seen, like, um, Cheaty slip and, like, end up on his back real quick. He's under hooks, butterflies. He's up. He's urgent. He's very positionally aware. And when I was watching it, I wanted to be cheeky here, and I really wanted to bet Cheaty Ninja Kiwani for the bonus was to bet him by decision because it's like it was, like, plus 375. I was like, oh, yeah, Cheaty decision. But, again, he's finishing a bunch of people at middleweight. Small cage, you look at where the under, they're expecting this thing to end inside, and I see why. Because, you know, Todorovic could always catch him, too. He's got the puncher's chance here for sure. You know, I don't blame anybody for, you know, I've had some people tell me that, you know, well, I'll take Todorovic if he gets up this high. I'm like, if he gets up that high, and shit, man, I guess I can't blame you, you know what I'm saying? Like, all the best, man. Um, I just, when I'm watching this, like, I I just feel like the counters, you want to talk about counter hooks? Um, Chidi's counterhooks, I think, are going to be really on point, especially for the way Todorovic only just kind of barely leans back. It's not going to be enough here. And Todorovic doesn't look like he blocks his body, particularly um, uh, particularly his liver side. And Chidi just in the clinch, in the open, he's always kicking, kneeing to that. Um, I think he's going to fuck him up to the body here too. And essentially, I just I think Chidi's the better wrestler, the better clinch fighter. Um, and the better striker. And I think he's just going to eat him up with counters, and he's going to be walking into a wood chipper kind of a fight where I think he gets the finish. 
Play Cheaty by KO. Uh, plus 125 at half a unit will be the bolster for that potential parlay leg. Next parlay leg, Iron Turtle, baby. John Young Park, the Iron Turtle, minus 205. Eric, your boy, Anders, plus 160. Put a G on himself at plus 180, apparently, um, which is crazy. You know, and he's... You know, he's, he says it feels good to come into a fight healthy, but, like, I don't know. Like, it was only six weeks ago where he, he he posted a picture of, like, his foot literally got mangled in some, like, gruesome accident thing. Um, so, it's like, how much was he able to work on that, you know? I know the previously mentioned Dusky Toads there. Um, you know, he had the same thing happen to him, and I, so I bet uh, Patolo to beat him. And Todorovic still pulled it through. So, you know, you can have... Not that this is inside info, we posted it publicly, but you can have this inside info air quote on a matchup, and it, it still doesn't necessarily matter, folks. Like Eric Anders could still come out here and win, um, and I and part of me would be happy because I have friends on Eric Anders, and I've interviewed Eric a bunch of times, and he just seems like a really cool dude, uh, chill. Um, nothing against him, believe me. Uh, it's just one of those things. It's just you know me. I when people that overhyping and or just hyping in general. In the wrong way, I, I gotta, you know, I have to be Buzz Killington and shit and say unpopular things, you know. Um, that's all that is, you know. Um, but it, it's not even, you know, kids, nothing that's not a fact, you know. The Eric Anders, he did it his last fight. He can't help but shoot takedowns and push to the clinch. Um, wh- whether he rocks somebody and does it, or in his last fight, where it's like the last thing you wanna do is be on top of this guy or grapple with him because he can just armbar you from any position. And what does he do? Who shoots the first takedown in that fight, folks? Eric Anders shot on Mooney's. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, I mean, like, we have literally a half a decade now, right? 2017 or so, we have half a decade now of bad fight IQ. I mean, if someone is trying to tell you who they are, at a certain point, we got to listen, right? And I know, you know, the betting community, they hate old people. Uh, they love fighters that go to fight ready is, is another one of the betting tropes, MMA betting tropes. And you hear every time someone makes a case for him, he's like, ah, he's at fight ready this time. He's like, okay, well, it's like his fifth time at fight ready, folks. Now, <laughs> I don't know what you wanted to do. The one time he looked good again, he didn't, well, he did wrestle uh, a bunch of times after hurting the guy. And then once realizing, he's like, why am I not finishing the guy after hurting him when I try to shoot a takedown? I know. I'll illegal knee him. <laughs> Maybe that'll finish him. <laughs> Which, in one way, yeah. Uh, not legally. Um, you know? Um, it's it's tough, man. And then, like, yeah, I know he beat uh, Stewart after that and threw him. But it just, that fight was so ugly. And the fact that you could be that gun shy. You know, and Eric, Eric Anders hated that performance. He criticizes his own self. So I'm not saying anything the man hasn't said about his own self here. So I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on him. I'm just, just stating the facts here. Um, you know, how can you be confident in that? You know what I'm saying? Like, could he knock out Jung Young Park? Possibly, sure. Jung Young Park's been knocked out before by Hobo Cop. Just happened. Uh, not just happened. He took an appropriate break. He did the six months off or whatever. But um, the thing is, Eric Anders, you know, outside of a on the way out, Rafael Natal, or the borderline illegal kick, kick against that Tim Williams South Jersey Strangler dude, like... Uh, who I don't believe won in the UFC. <clears throat> um, like, yeah, it's got to be a clean knockout like that because if not, Eric's going to take it away from him. He's always going to make the road harder for himself. Like, you're not just betting. If you're betting Andrews, you're not just betting against the Iron Turtle. You're, you're, 
if you're betting Anders, you're also betting against Anders because he will he will get in, he will get in his own way. <laughs> you're betting against two people. Um, that being said, you know again if this cat, I'll be happy. I got I know enough people on Anders. I'll be happy if I enough if I lose this bet. But I not love Jong Young Park too in these interviews and just uh, I know interviews don't mean shit for the fight, but like he's just such a little uh, you know. Um, a likable cat, and if you want to talk about fight ready, getting yourself into some shape or whatever, like looking at pictures of Jong Young Park, the guy looks to be in the shape of his life. I know he's not like a physically imposing dude, but it doesn't change the fact that this dude's in the shape of his life heading into this one, you know, um, for motivation. And I think he can wrestle here, you know. Iron Turtle is technically one and zero against Southpaws. I say that because John Phillips was a Southpaw striker, but we know he wrestled the shit out of him. And Tavon Nchukwi, who fights Southpaw, fought mainly orthodox that fight. So I did not count that. I didn't cushion and make it a 2-0. But I will know that when Nchukwi did shift stance um, to Southpaw, that's when he was the countered the hardest and or countered by having his uh, patent Southpaw kick, that power kick. Like literally every time it got thrown, um, Park turns that into a takedown. I think Park's... Level changing double and single, more importantly, uh, will be enough to off balance a, 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 a kind of a big lumbering dude like Anders and get him on his back. But especially those kicks. And then it, he's also the more active, um, he, he's the more active fighter in the clinch. He's the more active grappler. I want to say he's the better grappler and better uh, clinch fighter, but that remains to be seen. We'll have to see that in practice, folks, because I, I don't know that. You don't know that. We, none of us do. Um, but I suspect he is, <clears throat> just because Anders is so singularly focused on going for takedowns, and he doesn't have a game-over game. He doesn't even have a really good control game. Not that you should bank on that to win fights with the criteria and so forth. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, like, I, I'm i not sure where he, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to be the smartest thing, and then that could tire him out, right? Like, we've seen Eric swing hard for three rounds, <clears throat> but, and you know, I feel like wrestling... Both these guys, especially because they're both active and deceptive, deceptively athletic in Park's part, um, and obviously athletic for Anders, the stereotype and all of football. But like, both these guys could maybe tire each other out wrestling. Maybe that's why Park is coming in such specific cardiovascular shape because he knows he's gonna have to go hard for three rounds. Because I don't see him finishing Anders. Uh, maybe he might get an anaconda or something. Maybe he gets a special because again. His specialty is front chokes, and Anders loves shooting low. So he's going to be shooting. He's either going to be, you know, getting out grappled or putting himself in a position to be out grappled. Again, back what I said about not just betting against Anders' opponent, you're betting against Anders himself if you're trying to back Anders. He almost makes it hard on himself. Um, and you know, he says he wants to be healthy, but it's like he only fought last December, and then he had like a neck injury he had to get sorted and some other operation. Uh, so, like, two things that sound kind of serious, including the foot from six weeks ago? Like, mm, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm going to take the better wrestler, the more active fighter, the fighter with a more reliable process, and who can and comes from a camp um, that game plans deceptively well, especially when it comes to, like, you know, Beating these bigger athlete guys, you know, Da Eun Jung as well, man. Another another uh, uh, another Korean top team guy, I believe. That just you know, he's, he's posed against these athletes and he's made a big dog, and then he just comes in with a really sharp game plan, and you know, 
These guys don't have like Muay Thai accolades or wrestling accolades, but they're pretty good wrestlers, pretty good strikers, pretty good grapplers, very well schooled. So I'm I'm done underestimating these dudes. Uh, I got Jong Young Park to round out the parlay with Home and Chidi for plus 194, 1.5 unit. And I also bolstered, um, there's no place for the rest of the card, so that's why this whole breakdown takes forever in the beginning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed break down the rest of this card. Um, and I also uh, bolstered that leg with Park Decision at plus 120 for half a unit. I'll recap all these at the end. But that's Home, Park, and Chidi plus 194, 1.5 units. All right, uh, next fight, um, Pollyanna Viana plus 115, Tabitha Ricci, Baby Shark, minus 135. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I don't have to get all creepy or anything, but uh, I didn't mind uh, doing tape on this fight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, so good. Uh, so funny. Uh, all right. Uh, as a uh, shout out to the MMA Rocha, this is what uh, my guy Kenny would call the <laughs> fight of the night to be creepy. Um, I'm gonna try and stay on target. Stay on target. Um, no, uh, but this is gonna be a lot of people's fight of the night, I imagine. Um, I'm gonna take Tabitha Ricci here. It's because she's the better wrestler. She's a judo black belt and jujitsu black belt. She also, uh, which also makes her uh, the better accoladed grappler. Um. Pollyanna Viana is a brown belt. I know you'll hear in her fights that, uh, and someone can break this down for me. I don't want to write it, but I, I, I'm not getting excited as, 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 as I think it reads much more impressive than it is. But when you have regional or state titles, they're like within the region. And when you, when there's state championships where you don't recognize, um, you know, this wasn't the Mundials, this wasn't like an IBJJF, this wasn't a, you know, ADCC qualifier if it's a Nogi. You know, as far as, like, the noticeable ones, um, that means, you know, who knows how many people showed up in the bracket that day. If they were, and if there were any good, good the ladies, you know, and she won that day, right? And it wasn't at the black belt level because she's not even a black belt now. Maybe some of them were at a blue belt. Some of them were at a purple belt. She's only been doing jujitsu since she was 18 or 19. She's 29 now, so she's only been doing it since 2013. That's how she started. It's just her friend said she should do jujitsu. She's like, all right. Whereas Tabitha Ricci came out doing it since she was, like, four because her father was a jiu-jitsu professor and black belt. So, like, she was born into it. She was born into judo, born into jiu-jitsu. She even did Muay Thai. She has, like, a something black tip. Something, I don't know. The ranks, those kind of ranks, like a purple krong with a black tip, they all just sound like you really need to go get a check, you know, get someone, you know, get, get, some, get some ointment, you know, get an STD test. <laughs> Um, but no, no, she's got some like Muay Thai ranks and, um, you know, despite being short and stuff like she, she's got some, you know, she, she's got some pop. She'll go for, you know, knockout power or anything like that. But I mean, she, you know, she, she throws with some real intent. Um, she's getting a little better with her level changes. She gets on the inside well, cause of her, her initiative commitment and stature. But as far as like changing her levels, she's been kind of working on that. Cause she would kind of just bend and get sloppy with it. I think because she could just get away with that being so short. Um, so, yeah, I think she's going to grapple um, and end up on top. So as long as she doesn't get caught in an arm bar, she should beat Viana. I know Viana is training with Shootbox. She only fights once a year, so who knows how long she's been with him. Who knows how much it'll make a difference. Um, I don't really like her stand-up or her defense. And she swings strong and long, but, like, I think Tabitha Ricci can get inside on that and um, get her game going. 
I'll go Ricci by decision. Allen Amadovsky plus 165. Joseph Holmes plus minus 195. Uh, Amadovsky's terrible. Um, Joseph Holmes, I never followed him. It didn't look that great. I know he's like a Kraus guy. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Uh, likes to take the back. I suspect he gets there and chokes Amadovsky out, but ain't no way in hell I'm touching it. The jail man, baby. Jailton Almeida, the jail man. Jail man minus 600 versus Parker Porter. Porker Porter. Fucking more, more jail man it cometh. More, more cushion for the pushing for the jail man. <laughs> Easy, Dan. Jesus Christ, calm down. Just saying, more cushion for the pushing. Jail man, jail man it cometh, baby. Throwing away the key. This fight scares me honestly. Um, I was gonna pull the trigger on jail man round two and over one and a half, and those could very well cash both those. The problem is, ultimately, we haven't seen anybody shoot on Parker Porter in the UFC. And therefore, um, you know, so I don't have a good sense of how he defends takedowns. I haven't seen enough grappling instances, much less anyone that can remotely parody um, what Almeida can do on paper uh, as far as um, Porter's get-up game. I imagine because of his size and stature, he is definitely a tripod up to the feet type of dude. Um, so you could get back takes that lead to, you know, standing back takes here. I think it's either going to be a standing RNC or a head and arm choke. Um, a, um, before even realizing that Jelton Almeida has multiple head and arm chokes on his record, that's just the most sensible choke to go for on any heavyweight, especially a heavyweight that with the build, the thick build of Porter, you don't have to get head and arm chokes in very deep to cut off there. Um, to cut off the circulation for the choke there. Uh, so, you know, you can come up to those. You can you, you can go from the back, kind of cook them, and then kind of, uh, you know, have a deep underhook. You know, come up, come up on the underhook side and do a head and arm off back mount. I love doing that on big guys. I can even finish it one-handed while I get the tap. Um, that's one of my favorite moves to do to big guys all the time. It's always back to head and arm choke, back to head and arm choke every fucking time with big guys. Um, I will fucking, uh, I, I don't know what I was going to say something really dirty that made no sense at all. I, I would, I would do something ridiculous if uh jailed Almeida does that. Um, that's going to be the pick. But again, the problem is Porter's a brown belt Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That was his first discipline he's been doing for over a decade. Who's to say the guy can't survive, make himself heavy, and then Almeida all of a sudden is gassed, right? Like, you know, trying to trying to wrestle this guy. He wrestles himself into a hole. Um, you know, and then there's still a lot more to see from Jelton striking as far as more recent stuff and how that would hold. You know, we've seen Porter be able to get hit early, but if he can't, he will build his way back into fights to a certain extent. So maybe it's good that I'm priced away. Uh, because this is just a case like last week where, especially at this weight class, it, it, maybe it should be a dog or pass despite as high as me and many are on, on the jail man. That being said, I am going to go with a jail man round two, even though round one, for multiple reasons, would be more of a round two. I, I, I think Parker Porter can survive. I think he can cook him in a round two, but if he's cooking him in a round three, then it'll turn against him, and the jail man will be the one, in fact, cooked um, if, if he wrestles for that long. So we'll see. Jailman round two. Omar. Omar. Omar's coming. Omar, minus 140. Uh, Eros Medic, a couple of wild and crazy guys. Plus 120. 
Um, Medich was exposed. We'll see. His confidence could be completely shot. For that and experience reasons, I'll go with the orthodox kickboxer Morales. I stayed away from this one, though. Um, even though I may regret not playing Morales, he's Sanford up at 155, which are all good things. I know he's been at Sanford. I'm just saying he's back up at 155, more importantly. I'll take him. not going to play him. Might be a surprise to some. He didn't make the parlay. Vote for Pedro. Jonathan Martinez, minus 225, versus Vince Morales, plus 185. I don't know what it is about Vince Vendetta Morales. Like I never make it around to watching his. I'm like this guy's had this many fights. Like I feel like he's always the guy in the card where I'm like ah, I'm not gonna get around to this this fight. No, whatever. Like I don't know what it is, but um, I'm gonna respect Vince Morales here. Not that I'm gonna pick him. I'm gonna pick my guy Jonathan Martinez. Uh, not a lot of southpaws to train with, even though Vince Morales is at Syndicate. His main training partners have been English guys like Cameron Ellis or Davy Grant. Who are orthodox? I know Davey will switch stances sometimes and shift in combination, but not a dedicated southpaw. And Morales struggles with kickers, as we saw against Martinez's stablemate Chris Gutierrez. I suspect the same here, but Vince Morales has shown some improvements. Um, overall, it looks like he's been working his ass off down there at Syndicate, so maybe he could be in for a surprise. He does do his work in boxing range, and that is where Martinez has been surprised. So. Even though Martinez is the better overall striker and better wrestler and grappler um, quietly in this fight, um, Morales could surprise. I'm not going to pick him. I'm picking Martinez, but I stayed away. Uh, Chase Hooper, plus 155, Felipe Kalarish, minus 180. Going to go with Kalarish. Again, Hooper, they're just some mark. You know, he's, I'm sure he's a nice kid. Not in Hayden, but, you know, just, just trying to market him for fight pass and do that whole thing. Um. You know, fits the fits the profile for the most part, I guess. But I don't know about fitting the profile for a fighter in the 145 division of the UFC, though. I'll take Corrales. It won't be an ugly mess. Uh, Elise Reed, minus 155. Sam Hughes, plus 135. You know, I'll take Hughes here as an underdog to survive the storm, have a, a an underdog win, although she'll probably come up short, not for a lack of effort by Elise Reed. Maybe a decision there. Um... I stayed the hell away from that one, though. But, yeah, definitely take the dog and the talent master there. All right. I know I went long on the front. How did I do over 132? All right. Well, let's recap. All right. Uh, taking home over Vieta. Taking Pe- uh, Ponzinibbio over Pajeda. Taking Njikwani over Todorovic. Todorovic. Taking the Iron Turtle. Jung Young Park over Eric Yaboy Anders. Taking Ricci. Christina over Pollyanna Viana. Taking... Holmes, John, Joseph, Mary, over Alan Adamadovsky, taking the jail man. What cushion for the pushing over Parker Porter, baby. Taking Omar over Euros Medic, taking vote for Pedro Martinez over Vince Morales, taking Kalarash over Hooper, taking Hughes over Reed. I parlayed Holm, Park, and Chidi for plus 194 at 1.5 units. Took Ponzi straight up at plus 105 for a unit. Uh... Also sprinkled on uh, Ponzinibbio round two plus eleven hundred, round three plus twenty two hundred, both for 0.17 units. So it's a seventeen bucks, point uh, one seven. Um, for the bolstered parlay legs for home, I, I t- took a half unit shot on by KO plus four fifty for Chidi by KO plus one twenty five for a half unit, and for Park by decision plus one twenty for a half unit to help salvage some of the ship should it start to come apart. All right, folks, I'm going to be gone. Thank you in multiple ways this weekend. 
you guys enjoy the weekend. Hopefully, when I turn back on my phone, it won't be too painful. Hopefully, when I turn back on my betting accounts, they won't be, uh, you know, uh, they won't be negative. They'll be somewhere in the green. And uh, yeah, good luck in all your picks and plays. And always protect your neck. Fucking Nick. Place beyond the pines, motherfucker.